Hello and welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, Chief Executive of the Executive Connection. Tech Connect CEOs, executives and business owners to the world's largest business leader network. We're committed to delivering actionable insights, accelerating business performance and optimising decision making. Today I'm joined by Gary Burtwistle. Gary has always had a passion for innovation, creativity and doing things differently. His career has spanned the retail, music, media, corporate education and radio industries. Gary's greatest desire comes from having people and organisations think differently to find new ways of doing things, to break the status quo and redesign the traditional formula. As a thought leader in innovation and creativity, Gary has helped companies, teams and individuals in companies of all sizes, in all industries and categories, to look at how they currently do things and address what needs to change in order for them to think differently and maximise their potential. He is often called upon when companies or individuals lose their mojo. Gary Burtwistle, welcome. Thank you. So let's talk about Mojo. Mm -hmm. I know that you are the host of the Mojo radio show. How did that come about? If I go back six seasons, six years ago, I moved to the country to live on a farm. So I Mm. bought a farm, my first farm. And I was travelling backwards and forwards to Sydney to do gigs, speaking gigs. And I'd be in the car for any time two and a half to three hours. And I went through my country music album list. (laughs) And this is before Spotify and Apple Music. So I ran out of music because I only had stuff that I'd kind of had on CD. And I'd been in podcasts, maybe I was doing them 10, 12, 15 years ago. Mm. But I loaded them up and no one listened to them. So I dumped it. But I always always believed – that it was going to be a fabulous medium because you could turn dead time into lifetime. Mm. And I just believe that whether you're at the gym, in the car, waiting for a bus, being kept waiting in reception, podcasts were gold because you could have all this time that you could use to learn and it was in your pocket. So I started doing them. No one listened and I stopped doing it. Then when I got sick of my music library, I went back into it. But what I found was that too many podcasts had really bad production where the host would be really loud, but then when they got the guest, you couldn't hear them. And a lot of the podcasts had a very narrow band of content. So the content, after you'd heard five or six shows, they'd run out of content based on their specific topic. So as great brands and great ideas start with you solve your own problem. So I rang Robbo, who I used to work with in radio at Triple M back in the, back of the day. And I said, <laughs> I've got an idea for a show where we do it around Mojo, which allows us to do anything from inside and outside of work. It's a very wide, if we get great guests, ask them great questions. And I'd always had a fascination about the interview process. And mm. I'd always admired the craft of the interview why don't you produce something that sounds fantastic, we'll make it very listenable like a radio show and put it together. So six seasons later, and we started by me just ringing up my mates like Matt Church and Andy May and Tim Sharp and all the guys that I knew from the speaking circuit and saying, look, do me if I ever come on. It was pretty rough and ordinary. Uh, But then over the years, we got better and better talent. The craft of interviews got better. Mm. Robbo's production started to improve in terms of podcasting as opposed to just radio or television. And uh, it's going pretty good. So what's changed that has made podcasts be so much more successful now than 15 years ago? Because they've really taken off, haven't they? Well, this. I mean, sitting in a studio face-to-face with somebody, number one, the quality has gone up. Number two is now when you write to an author, if I'd have gone back three or four seasons ago, 
if Todd Herman had a brand new book out and I wrote to him, podcasts weren't really a thing. Mm. But now in terms of the PR agencies and marketing agencies, they're a thing. Mm. So now it's not just television and press and magazines. Now it's what podcasts can we get on in the world? The platforms, whether it be Samsung or Apple or whatever, have done a wonderful job of making it accessible. It's mm. in your pocket. Mm. So quality's gone up. Now you're getting better talent who see it as a way to sell their book. There, there are best-selling books that have only been promoted through podcasts. Mm. You've got hosts that are now putting more work into it and it's more accessible and it's always in your pocket. So I think when you combine all those things, it just turns dead time into lifetime and you can get the best of the best from around the world of people who are putting some serious time into putting production together. Um, it's a no-brainer. Do you think it says something about time? So you've... You've talked about your own experience of this dead time of a long drive and how you could really put that to use, whereas in the past you might have, well, you listened to music or it might have been the radio or what have you. Do you think there's more now, uh, there's a shift now to people wanting to use time rather than waste it? I think the word I'd use is people being more intentional. Yeah, okay. I love that word. So I think people have always sat on buses, sat on trains. Mm. People have always sat in traffic. Well, that's getting worse. Uh, people have always been left waiting in reception. Those things have always happened. But we've never been intentional with our time. But I think now there's more focus on what do you want for your life? What do you want for your family? What do you, what's, what's really important to you? Because time hasn't changed. It's just the intention of how you mm. use it. And one of the things you'll find with great leaders today whether it be a marketing brand or business in general, is people are very disciplined with their time and very intentional with their time. So the great leaders will build time into their day for learning. Now, whether mm. that be first thing in the morning, last thing at night, perhaps, but it's also even 10 minutes of mm. learning of the best in the world you can get in your pocket between meetings, that's a better use than scrolling through rubbish socials. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And one thing further that you just talked about that I loved was your fascination with the interview process. Mm. I come way, way, way back from a clinical background. And so interviewing was part of mm. what I learned. And I'm fascinated with it too. So tell me your view and how have you changed in your interviewing over six years? I, it, it's an interesting thing for people to think about is that I think back to the fascination I had with the great interviewers, like sitting in front of Parky, yeah. David Letterman. Uh, David in, Frost? David Frost or, or our own Andrew Denton, you know, yeah. who was seen as being the great interviewers. I used to love, that was my favourite time, is to sit, sit and, and listen to even mm -hmm. Ian Chappell or Max Walker interview the great sportsmen of the past you know, back in the wide world of sports on Channel 9. that I remember that time, used to, I used to love that. I used to love reading about it. And I used to love hearing the greats discuss their world in front of the camera and away from the camera. And I think that podcasting has given us the opportunity. Those who really... So mastery itself is two parts of it, as Michael Gervais from the Seattle Seahawks would say. It's about mastery of self and mastery of craft. Mm -hmm. So mastery of self is about... Being intentional, the obsession with learning and so on. But the art master of craft is, well, what is it at your very core that you love? You, you, what is it that you, when you're in the midst of it, you, you lose track of time, you forget to eat, nothing else a priority. What's mm. that thing? Mm. And then mastering it. And I think for me, 
listening and observing the great interviewers, whether it be on television, a great well-scripted article in a magazine or a podcast. And then for me, it's the constant improvement to say, how do I get to that question that's never been asked before? Yeah. And my greatest joy, and I'll do six to 10 hours research on a guest. My greatest joy is when I've never, ever heard them say, that's a really good question. Yeah. And I had a girl who's a sports writer from New York only yesterday on the show, and we were into the interview. And then I asked her a question. She said, great cue, which is the hipster way of saying great question, which <laughs> right. I love. I'm going to great. start saying it yeah, as great, of now. Great cue. Yeah. And uh, it took a while to get to it. And I went, that's, that's the moment for me. And that's the, it's, that's the craft of what can I ask this person that they haven't been asked yeah. before? And what's really interesting is because podcasts are now such a thing, many guests will come on and the first five or ten minutes they've got completely rehearsed answers. It doesn't mm. really matter what you ask them. Yeah. They've got their shtick. Yeah. And it's getting that question that breaks them down. It's almost like a horse where you, you a horse drops down into a pace yeah. that they can sustain. That bit where they're, they're racing hard, then the jockey finally gets the halt and they, they, they drop down into it. And you can hear an interview interview where they drop into a different cadence and for me it's that sort of intricacy that gives you the, the the mastery of the craft of how do you take somebody you know Susie Quattro must have done five ten thousand interviews and there was a moment during the show when she dropped down and she changed and she went that's a really good question I've never been asked that before mm. and everything changed the pace her thought suddenly mm-hmm. she was with me as opposed to just Here's another interview. I had one before him. I've got one after him. There's yeah. that, that moment. It's studying that, Stephanie, to work out how do I get to that, that piece. It comes from the work you put in, the thought you put into it, the challenge to find that question that no one's ever asked before. Um, and I also, I also keep a journal full of great questions. So I don't have to do the same questions every time I interview, but I've got – and it comes from the Tim Ferrisses and Joe Rogans and James Altucher's and whoever's out there who I think – Jordan Harbinger, who are the great interviewers – is really not listening just for the content of what they're drawing out of their guests, but also how they structure and ask the question. I know that you know um, Mike Logan, mm-hmm. and he has actually written a book on the the questioning leader, and it's all about the questions, mm. asking questions and getting deeply into this. So I'm listening to you and I'm thinking how well it relates to what we're doing right now how it relates to understanding a market and as a leader, how, it, how well that can relate to understanding your people. So I've got a cue for you, mm-hmm. which... <laughs> Very hipster. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. So hipster, it's frightening. I'm, a, I'm maybe a tad old for this show. <laughs> My question is, how do you relate what you've learnt about interviewing and that, that continuous hate saying journey that you're on about improving your interviewing how do you relate that then to a leader who's looking at their market and how to approach marketing or or getting cut through with their message to a market so i blog through the espresso Mm -hmm. which is my blog for thinkers under that every week it goes out and i'm doing one two sometimes three interviews a week so i need a lot of content yep the easiest way as a takeaway for any leader to start to think about this process is to become a journalist. And from the minute I started doing it, I had to become a journalist. So every conversation I, I listen to, I'm listening for 
is there something in that? Is there a learning for me? Could I use that? Is there an angle for that? Why, why is that person saying that? What's, what's behind that? I've heard a couple of people say that now. What's in that? And the sad thing today is that, that most leaders aren't curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Marcus Buckingham said on a show just last week, he said, we are having conversations based around I. Tell me you more talk, about that. You talk, then I talk. You yeah. talk, then I talk. You talk, then I talk. And yeah. if you don't finish quick enough, I'll talk over you. And it's just, I saw this movie. Oh, well, I saw this movie. Yeah. I like that. Well, I like this. I saw this. I'm going I'm going on holidays here. Oh, well, I went there. Yeah. So it's an exchange of eyes. Yeah. And it's the leader that is truly curious. And David Letterman will, will do his interviews and not use a script. Mm. And Antonio Banderas will sit down and he'll say, I believe you like motorbikes. Mm. And he'll say, what sort of motorbike do you like? And he'll tell a story about the motorbike. And he'll say, Where, where's the greatest place? And he'll go for 10 minutes on his show and not look down at a script and just answer, ask a question at the back of Antonio Banderas's answer. And yeah. it, the, the whole conversation rolls into who knows where because it's all based upon your last answer. Whereas leaders don't do that with staff members. No. Leaders don't do that with a customer or client. They exchange eyes. As soon as they say one, it's like, well, we can help you with that because they yeah. don't dig, 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 dig. They don't have the mind of a child that goes, why, why, mm. why? And it's not, as Colin Chodos said, it's not just what's said, it's also what's not said. And what did they say with their eyes? What was their body language telling you? What are they thinking that they didn't say? That's all the listening skills that goes with it. And leaders aren't curious, but when you become a journalist, you, you get the most in, insane content out of Uber drivers out of a guy who works on, the, on, a, on a train platform. You learn more about why the train system doesn't work from the guys working on a platform than you do by sitting in meetings in boardrooms and assuming you know what's going on on the platform. It's about the assumption also, and, you know, that's a great example, but that's part of what happens in a conversation, isn't mm. it, in the I conversation, because someone says, I think this, so you immediately make an assumption about it rather than testing it or mm. asking. How often do we sit in, in a presentation, person presents for an hour, two hours, and you say, great, I've left some time for questions. What are your questions? And there's crickets. Group diffusion of responsibility. If you're in a group, you think it's going to be someone else who'll do it. It's crickets. Mm. You can't tell me that you were that good, yeah. that something didn't provoke a thought in some way of some aspect of something, yet they'll walk out without asking the question. I go, do I want to follow that leader into battle? And I go, No. But the, the leader that I know, that I really respect and admire, the people who don't know it all, they don't want to talk about themselves. They don't want to talk about their business. Mm. They want to know about you. And that's a true conversation where you are sharing as opposed to I, 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 I. So I would say the easiest, to answer your question, the easiest thing is to become a journalist where you all day long you need content, you need stuff, you need the next provoking thought. And when you ask people open-ended questions like a journalist, you make them feel good. They like talking about mm. their own world. Mm. I think curious is a beautiful word. Mm. I've heard you talk about mojo marketing, putting those two words together. You know, you have incredible experience in marketing. And then mojo is one of the books you've written, the radio show. Tell me how those two go together. It's something I, I started doing over in Perth this week uh, for one of the big media companies. And what occurs to me is there's, there's a, new, a new breed of leader coming through. And I wouldn't even say that in their artillery they would call it marketing. Mm-hmm. It's just what they do. 
what I found was that when you dig into guys behind WeWork and the Twitters and the Ubers and interesting new businesses that disrupt the, disrupt the, the, the yeah. toothpaste industry or people who disrupt the, the zero waste industry, social enterprise. When you go through all these people who are the disruptive ones, they don't even really think about marketing. It's more just how they think about life in general. And mojo as a term is about vitality mm. and zest and, and pizzazz that some people have, some brands have that some don't. This new breed that are coming through, and WeWork is a classic example. I'm a WeWorker, and I interviewed this girl from New York, this writer just recently, and she's a WeWorker in New York. She loves it. I love it. Mm. Yet they're a $51 billion company, mm. and they're 10 years old. Mm. Because what they did is they took every single part of the co-working space idea, the, the, the collaborative working space, that one old, stale, boring brand had, and said, how do you disrupt each part of it? They didn't set out to build a marketing model or a brand model. They just went, there's an opportunity. People have got these problems. Here's what the future is probably going to look like with digital nomads and isolation. How do we solve that problem? And the easiest way that I could define it for everybody is, um, have you seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. Okay. So Freddie Mercury, Queen, insanely epic band of our lifetime. There's a scene in that where Freddie walks into the EMI office. Yep. The EMI executive's behind the door and he says, you're late. And he said, what we really need here is another killer queen. So they want to do, with the last album was successful, we need a new album like that. Mm. The band say, we're not making widgets here. We don't want to repeat ourselves. And Freddie puts on an opera, opera album. They then talk about the fact that they're going to do something differently and not repeat themselves. And in Freddie's words, he said, formulas are a complete and utter waste of time. The challenge today is that too many of us are stuck in the formula. Mm. That's how the dairy industry does stuff. That's how accountant practices do stuff. That's how law practices do stuff. That's how a club operates. That's how we do things. And the people who are stuck in the formula will be stuck in the formula. This new breed are saying, let's track the customer journey with us from the minute they think about us the minute we've done the job and follow up let's track all that then say that's typically how it's done the law firm what if we didn't Mm. what if we took that part of our business to the opera and as freddie said it's still a rock album darling make no mistake it's still a rock album but he was able to shake it up and do a six minute song that's Mm. become an anthem Mm. so What I would say is the marketing mojo is actually how do you bring vitality and zest and pizzazz to your own brand? And how you do that is by breaking down and and tracking the journey of a customer before they get to you to when they they leave and saying, if we did take it to the opera, what tinkering idea? Right through to complete anarchy and break. And you you can combine some of those things to make something new. The challenge today is we're so busy, we're not curious, we're not sitting down to send a tree to go, let me just map that. What is the formula for our industry? Well, even more importantly, how about we start with the customer? Because I think there's there's so much about execution on strategy and getting your process right and having your process right, having your protocols right, that I think can lead organisations to focus on themselves. And this is how we do it. Mm. And here's the process and the customer just has to align with the process. Mm. So what you're talking about is actually simple but quite radical for a lot of leaders and organisations, isn't it? Mm. To just forget about themselves and just look at the customer. All great ideas, as it did with our show, starts with solving your own problem. Mm. 
Now, I wrote just recently on a brand new toothpaste called Bite, B-I-T-E, mm-hmm. Bite Toothpaste. The lady said, I've got a problem. When I looked at the, the, at the, the container that my toothpaste came in, look at all the chemicals I'm putting in yeah. my mouth. And then when I finish, I throw that sucker out and it becomes waste. So two problems she had was it needs to be zero waste. And number two is why can't I design a toothpaste that's actually good for me and my family? And that's what Bite is. It's actually not even a paste. It's a tablet. You put it in your mouth, you chew it a bit, you get a wet toothbrush, you make it into a paste, you clean your teeth, and it's made of all natural products, including activated charcoal. Mm. comes in a glass jar with an aluminium lid. Mm. Everything's zero waste, everything's healthy. And you go, well, there's some as a classic example that Colgate, McLean, Sensodyne are going to be disrupted by somebody who just went, you know what, I've taken the time to solve the problem. Mm. And I guarantee within a year or two years, that concept will be on the shelf at our supermarkets because they'll just be fast followers and they'll try and then defend against which is the marketing warfare part that fits with marketing mojo she's not out to do the marketing bit she's just solving a problem that mm. her family's got and what happened was she designed it showed it to her friends her friends went that is so cool how do we get some of that and that's how the ideas start but unless you take the formula of what's typical that everyone's playing by and saying if there was another way to do it based on the problems that our target audience face And I've got faith that the kids coming through are going to help change this whole paradigm of here's the formula, it doesn't change. But the kid's going, well, I'm not caught up in the same world you're playing in. And a lot of people listening to this, the people who work for them right now will be the ones who will disrupt them Mm. because they'll be taking the time to think. Mm. They'll be intentional and sit down and say, yeah, man, that's, that's really interesting. What if I, how would I go about doing that? Because they're the curious ones. They're the ones that take time out to do it. They're bullish. They're not caught up in the same things that their parents, their grandparents were caught up in, the same formulas. They dig Freddie Mercury and they'll do the – and that's why marketing mojo now is changing. Mm. The other thing that's really interesting that I think sits alongside that is you've got to have the stimulation and you've got to get outside your own category to get stimulation to bring into your own brand and your own business. And one of the things I, I believe we're going to hear a lot more about is being a generalist and skill stacking. And podcasts, go back to where we started to finish that loop, podcasts are wonderful because you can pick any topic and deep dive into it. Mm. Any topic. They're free. If you don't like it, get rid of it, put another mm. one on. There's hundreds of thousands of them out there. Mm. So you can pick any topic. So I spoke to a graphic designer recently who's learning photography and she's just started doing work in VR. Yeah, right. And she's working with an aged care business where she has built an, a completely VR immersive thing where people come in to check out their locations can put on goggles and have a 360 full immersive thing in virtual reality. And I said, how, how long? She said, I was just interested in it. So I just started exploring with it. I found a company could do it and I got them to teach me. So she's stacking all these skills. I love this idea about skill stacking. Mm. Can you tell me more about it? Just kind of define what it is. I mean, you've given a great example. So tell me more about actually what it is, skill stacking. So this is, rather than being a specialist, you become a generalist. Something David Epstein wrote about in his new book called Range, which came out last week. Uh, Pat Flynn talked about it and how to be better at almost anything. And these are fantastic books, but it's about the power of the generalist. And the example that David Epstein talked about at Range is, do you want to be Roger Federer or Tiger Woods? Tiger Woods did one sport and one sport only. It's all he ever did. And we know what happened. Roger Federer played 100 sports before he actually decided on tennis. Ah. And so you get this choice between, and now even Olympic athletes are being, are being suggested you do a number of sports. Ash Barty. Before you choose mm. the one you're going to specialise in. And yep. There's a whole bunch of science and research behind it. What it means in a business sense is 
we get really good at our craft, but what we need to do is then step outside and say, what are the fringes? And Michelle Gibbings wrote about this in Career I said, how do you future-proof your career? She said, study the fringes of where you're at. Mm. Say, well, in your industry, what are the things on the sidelines that are going to end up morphing into the same thing and, and become not an expert in them, but become good enough, as David Epstein would say, 80% good to be a skill you can stack. So two weeks ago, we did a, a former Navy SEAL named Jeff Nichols. Mm-hmm. Now, Jeff Nichols is one of the world's great strength sports physiologists. So he studied sports physiology mm-hmm. and he studied strength training. Navy SEAL, he knows about discipline, projects, purpose, knows all that part of it. And then he's also a scientist. He's also studying physics. He's also had severe depression, went to a dark place that none of us will ever want to go to. But when I talked to him, I said, you've got all these skills you're stacking on top of each other. So when he works with an elite sportsman, I, mean, I, can, I know I, I feel what it's like when you're down. I've been in that place. Mm-hmm. Here's the physics of why we do the exercise this way. And here's the strength argument that says, and so he's got all these things to call upon. Mm-hmm. Apple computers, Steve Jobs was a calligrapher. Mm-hmm. He learned about making things beautiful and doing it properly, things we'd never see from his dad who worked on cars. But he also knew social sciences and he was also a brand expert. So he had all these things that was who designed them didn't have, but Apple did because of Steve. And then we didn't know something, he'd lean into it and say, let me bring an expert in so you can teach B how to do it so I can stack that skill. So the generous thing is where you've got a leader who needs to know enough about where this new brand of leadership and marketing is going. Someone who knows enough about the software that drives the computer systems. Someone who knows enough about zero waste because they sit down and dig in with their kid from school who teaches them about where the future is going, what are they learning and examples. Who are they following online that's of interest? And you start to stack all these skills that help you be better at executing what you do, but also then allows you to say, if we did do something differently and we did map out that journey, the thing there, we've been always, everyone does it that way. If we didn't, because I saw something they're doing at, how would we? And I think from a parent's perspective, we want to raise generalists and get kids to experience as much as we can. So at some point they can go, hey, mom, hey, dad, whoever the partners are, that's what I want to dig into. So that's a very different paradigm, isn't it, from what education has been uh, and higher education has been. Yep. Because it's you. It's all about narrowing down your diamond to I am going to be this, which is very different from the whole idea about work to be done, isn't mm. it, from you are a this, therefore you do that. And kids are getting through university based on watching YouTube clips. They can listen to podcasts. So mm. any leader listening to this can say, what's the fringe? Or what's mm. something I'm interested or curious about? You can jump online and download 10 podcasts and that could be 10 hours of great content. You don't have to go and do anything else. Mm. But instead of spending your time on rubbish, dig into it and build this new stack. So when someone comes to you, if you don't know what's right, you can't tell what's wrong. And so you can learn all these new little bits and pieces, which makes you a better problem solver. And it also makes you more interesting in conversations. Absolutely. So some fantastic themes here. I love we started off about being intentional, Mm. uh, about use of time and how there's so much benefit for that for a leader or for anyone actually to be intentional. And the curious was a word that came up. Uh, and being a journalist, I, I really like that. You know, think mm. like a journalist. What's What actually is the story here? What's the angle here? Which is good. And finally, that skill stacking. I think there's so much in that. 
So it's being intentional about your skill stacking, but acknowledging that's what you're doing and recognising, I guess, the stack that you're putting together and maybe seeing where are my gaps or what's this looking like? Is there something else I could do here? Mm. What an opportunity to speak to the master. We've talked about mastery. Well, that's you, Gary Burtwistle. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Great to talk to you. Pleasure. So that's Tech Live for today. CEOs are in the business of making decisions and leadership is the art of execution. I'm Stephanie Christopher and look forward to talking to you next time. Music.